Hey mama, did you know you're a superhero? That's right, believe it. What's your superpower, you ask? Your intuition. We have a unique sixth sense for what our kids need and when they need it. My tribe and I call this mom sense. When you're a first time parent, it's scary and lonely and so exhausting. I know this all too well. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadagupta. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, and now a mother of three, twin toddlers and a baby, or my two for one and BOGO special. <laughs> I was thrown into the deep end of motherhood and it would sink or swim. I made a plan of action with my husband, built my village, met the right people, asked a ton of questions, and have learned so much in these early years. It's okay if you don't have time to read all the parenting books out there. And if you're watching YouTube videos on how to increase your supply while nursing or pumping and simultaneously posting in your neighborhood mommy group and buying diapers on Amazon, I've been there. That's why I launched my podcast for the mom on the go. You can passively listen when you're doing a drop off in your minivan, heading to work on the subway or cooking dinner for your family. I interview industry experts and real life mamas on their mom sense experiences, tackling topics like what to expect when you're done expecting, dealing with mom guilt, how to teach your kids to meditate, rekindling your marriage, and how to master your five minute makeup routine. And you know what the best part is? Each episode has tangible takeaways, homework that's fun, so you feel somehow changed for the better after listening to it. Not to mention relatable stories, inspiring quotes, and the best product recommendations from fellow moms. Hashtag momwin. Grab your latte that probably went from steaming hot to ice cold and take a listen to That's Total Mom Sense. It is not easy to snap back after a pregnancy, and celebrities like Heidi Klum and Kate Middleton are anomalies. According to an article on Cosmo, there are nine realistic ways to snap back, and here they are. Number one, realize your body won't be the same. Number two, breastfeeding alone won't help you lose all the weight. Number three, deprive yourself of nothing. Number four, realize it's going to take a while. Number five, find a plan and stick to it. Six, ease back into your workout routine. Seven, enlist help. Eight, ignore the haters. And nine, do not give up. Today, I am joined by Dr. Pinky Patel, and she knows all too well about what it means to truly snap back. And she has an app called exactly that, the Snapback. She is a clinical pharmacist with eight years of experience in personal training, as well as a pre and postnatal corrective exercise specialist and is the founder of the Step Back. She has an expressive three-year-old daughter who has inherited her strong will, love for books, and total inability to sit still. Aside from her full-time job and family, her passion lies in preparing women for birth, the postpartum period, and helping develop thriving moms and thriving babies. Dr. Pinky Patel, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you. So tell us firstly, what is the snapback to you? So in the on and offline communities, snapping back is looked at as returning to your pre-pregnancy body. Now, you know, that can be a goal of many moms, right? But And we'll support that. But it's not where the meaning stems from. We believe that no woman is the same after giving birth. And that change is really beautiful, but 
we all know, extremely painful, but nonetheless, beautiful. So to us, snapback means stepping back to see everything you've accomplished and then deciding how you want to move forward. So taking a step back means addressing your emotional concerns like postpartum depression, anxiety, um, even addressing your physical health workout and your pelvic health. So Mm -hmm. if we don't address our concerns, we can't really move forward as a society. So this brand community and initiative was developed as I identified a need in women's health that has been underestimated and rather less understood. And we're always continuing to work towards bridging the gap. So before I launched the app, I actually launched the brand and the community because that was the most important to me in Mm -hmm. April to give kind of a face to the brand. And I launched my consultancy just to give the opportunity to women um, to come and consult with me, which I still work with, with clients, you know, as my other side, side gig along with my full-time job and I'm behind the app as well. Mm -hmm. So that was important for me because it's, I think there's so much value in transparency and motherhood and the more transparent we are and honest, the more that we can all grow together. So in order to raise humans, we have to be human. <laughs> and yes. and there's a lot of like snapping back that occurs on magazines or Instagram or so any kind of social media mm-hmm. that makes makes people believe in this false pressure of like I've got to get into my pre-pregnancy X, Y, and Z. And it's it it doesn't work that way. So totally. we just we wanted to create a safe space and provide knowledge and empower women how to do this correctly you know that's great everything you see on surface is fantastic you see this woman in this pre-pregnancy genes but you're like how is your pelvic health are you leaking how are you mentally you know things that go beyond the aesthetics wow that's so interesting and i think um it's beautiful to see that you're kind of giving us a new meaning to what snapback is and allowing women to take a step back and shift their mindset before we get into the the nitty gritty, I want to thank you because you are due any day now with your second baby. Yeah. And but I know, I know how it is. I'm like getting choked up. And it's just a testament to you and your work that you want to be able to um, share uh, about the snapback and what you're doing, even in this pivotal time in your life. And so I'm so honored to have you on the show at this time. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for having me and my, my pregnancy brain all in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Where did your passion for pregnancy originate? So I have to say that when I became the, a personal trainer, I you have to do CEs every year, right? So I didn't have a baby then. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll do my, my CE this year and I'll really dive into pre and postnatal fitness because I think I'll have a baby one day. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very interesting because I know as a pharmacist, you're like, ah, personal training, how would that even like interact in wellness? But I like to combine Eastern and Western medicine. That's why that even like was something that was on my radar and kind of a more holistic approach. So I was like, well, this is very, this is very interesting. How do women, how should women move? You know, there's surely they can't move the same way that, um, that a normal person does at the gym. Like, so that's when I started diving into it. I, I got a certification and it was, it was very extensive and more than I expected. I learned so much. And so I, I just kept learning and then I got pregnant myself. So I was able to apply those techniques and the nutrition and just all of it to my pregnancy. 
Right. But so knowing everything that I knew as a health profession and and um, someone that was an expert in movement in the pre and postnatal space, I still had a really hard time in the postpartum period. So mm-hmm. I would have to say I am very scared going into postpartum this time because I had a hard time last time. Mm-hmm. And the snapback comes a lot. Um, a lot of the inspiration comes from the fact that I found a need in the postpartum period because of what I experienced. So the passion just kept growing more because I felt like things just shouldn't be that hard. So the app that launched, it's actually the postpartum app that launched, which is funny because you know there's more coming, but the postpartum one was first, which is ideal, I guess, because I'm about to be postpartum and yeah. I was not planning on having a baby this year. So, you know, obviously as the OCD control freak that I am, I can't plan everything, right? So here we are. The postpartum (laughs) app was launched and I'm about to be postpartum, but it was a need. It was a really, I had a doula. I had everything set up. I thought I had everything figured out, but it's how chemically, how we are as women, when we have a baby, it's mind blowing. So it doesn't surprise me if you truly understand the way hormones work, it doesn't surprise me that why women have such a hard time in the postpartum period. So I think that's where it originated is my, my need that I saw with my daughter. Wow. When I had her. Wow. Um, you know, say that you basically help women through the breath of their life from single dumb to birth planning, to pregnancy, to postpartum. And so you're with them throughout that entire journey. Um, could we start from from pregnancy onwards, you know, now you're working with someone who's newly pregnant. Um, what would you advise them to do from, you know, your standpoint as a personal trainer, as far as exercise and nutrition is concerned? So when my clients come to me and they are initially pregnant, they're in that very first stage. It's, I I identify their movement patterns based on where they are in their trimester. Right. And then I also, give them advice on supplementation and nutrition based on where they are. So it's all trimester based. Mm-hmm. And if they're initially, and they come to me, um, my advice with them would be to really start practicing core breath work because there's a lot of misconception out there as to what people should be doing when they're pregnant in terms of exercise. So from the first zero to 12 weeks, there's not much that changes. Like if you've been working out and your activity level has been has been the same, then you can continue that as long as your energy reserve requires. A lot of women like me, they feel like they're dying. And um, I literally just, I movement did help me in terms of staving off nausea, which it helps a lot of women, but there's, it's just what you can do. And if you can do more, that's great. I say that start with core breath work at about the minute, the minute that you become pregnant, because the idea of like doing crunches and sit-ups and all of those things, that is, those are conventional core work workouts. And those are not what you should be doing when you're pregnant, your mindset should shift. So you should start practicing how to diaphragmatically breathe and appropriately engage your, it's called transverse abdominis. They're just bands of muscles that are, they're like a corset. Think of them wrapping around your belly these are muscles you don't really see. Like, you you know, you turn into like a ball of bloat when you first get pregnant and you're just like, I don't know, is this a belly the first time? You know, when you first time you're pregnant, you're like, is this a bump? And you're like, no, this is not a bump. This is actually just bloat. And you start to forget about everything that's underneath there. And when you start to incorporate your belly breathing, what ends up happening is it's the effects are manifold. You, you're able to recruit your core musculature in a different way. And you're also able to exercise your pelvic floor. So you're like kind of doing a two in one. 
So those are things that you have to really understand and apply because your body is about to change a lot. You're about to hold an entire human. Weight gain is about to occur. Gravity is about to go against you in terms of your weight gaining being in your breast, in your stomach, right? And you have to really focus on increasing strength in your back as well to be able to hold that up. You're going to lose it if you don't use it. And you got to use it in a different way is what I'm trying to say. So what are some core exercises that you can do when you are pregnant? I mean, I know I did like Kegels whenever I like remember to. Yeah. So there's a few things that you can do. You can do the belly breathing, which is Mm -hmm. something that any that you can do any time in life, right? Postpartum right. is right. most important. So our app incorporates that in like a functional way. Pregnancy is the most important because you know, you're, when you're belly breathing, you don't think about it, but you're increasing oxygen to your baby as well. So your placenta is better able to increase oxygen and then remove toxins. And that's very important. There's a lot of research that goes into the benefits of a baby having increased oxygen supplementation simply from breathing, which is that you, you can do this when you're on bed rest. A lot of women come to me and they're like, I'm on bed rest and I can't move. I'm freaking out about what I should be doing and I, you know, how my body's going to look and my core. Belly breathing is something that is actually very relaxing and that you can absolutely do when you're on bed rest too. So that's the number one. Number two, Kegels are great, but you know, if you talk to a lot of pelvic pain specialists and that are the people that are experts in this space, they'll tell you that Kegels are often overprescribed. So if you have a hypertonic pelvic floor, so that basically means it's really, really tight, then Kegels aren't always the best. It just depends, right, on how how your pelvic floor is. Like, do you un- do they understand what a pelvic floor is? And so, kind of like just a quick and dirty, like in your body, imagine a pelvic floor being a hammock and then it holding something in it and it's holding your bladder, your rectum and your uterus. Uh-huh. So as your baby is sitting in there for 10 months and weighing on it, literally sitting on the hammock, right? Right. Right. Uh, it's, that's adding a lot of pressure. So that's why we, that's why they say, Hey, you should do Kegels to increase your pelvic floor strength. But really every time you belly breathe, you're actually working your pelvic floor too. And so if Kegels aren't the best option, and if you're afraid that you have a hypertonic pelvic floor, because women may, women just don't know until they see a pelvic floor therapist. So doing pelvic floor strengthening exercises, but not necessarily just Kegels all the time. Right. Wow. That's, um, that's so enlightening. Um, let's talk about like the food. So with nutrition, how I approach that is your body is changing and it has different needs from every trimester, you know, so there's first, second, and third. And I always ask when women come to me at the end and I'm like, how did you do in your pregnancy diet? Which, you know, sometimes the first trimester is a doozy. Like we're just trying to get by. We're just trying to eat and survive and have enough energy. Uh, women sometimes deal with nausea and they're really worried about being able to keep down healthy food. You know, you have this like increased pressure and like all this guilt of being able to eat all the greens and eating all the good stuff in the beginning. And that's just not feasible for some of these women who are literally experiencing so much nausea and vomiting. And so I say like your body is capable of more than you think. And so the preconception period is actually the most ideal before you even jump to first trimester. So it's like, what did you eat before you had the baby? baby The in utero environment has already been primed, right? So the first six months before you conceived your baby. And so that that's very important. But the first trimester there are, I mean, there's the, the key is hydration because a lot of the, the side effects that come, 
that women say they, they complain about, right? That it's from dehydration. So majority of women are walking around dehydrated and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. They should be drinking a hundred to 120 ounces of water. Cause that's, cause in the beginning you're not, you, you're not really told to increase calories. You're supposed to maintain the same calories your first trimester. And everyone's different. Like I gained five pounds my first trimester this time. I've gained the full 32. You know what I mean? Like, even mm-hmm. though I watch what I eat, like it's not really about the, the amount of weight that you gain, but it's about the quality of the food that you're eating. And, and if you're aware of how much you should be eating, I, I mean, I, I don't obsess over calories. My main thing is more of macro macronutrients and what you're supplying to your body. But they say, don't, each, don't increase your calories till week 12. And then you can increase it, you know, 200 to 350. And then you can go up in your third trimester. Now, second trimester, women get more energy back. You know, they're, they're eating, they're fueling their baby. And I'm like, my whole thing is like, how are you eating to fuel your workouts? You know, cause I'm, I coach these women on like how to incorporate movement for each phase. And then the third one, the third trimester, I'm in it right now. I can speak more to that is that their baby is developing more of their, their cognitive abilities and their brain. And so at that, and their lungs as well, but increasing fats during the third trimester is something that I, I'm very passionate about. Beyond that, they should be eating good fats anyways, like DHA, EPA, ALA. But increasing fats in the third trimester is something that I make sure that all my clients are doing just because there's so much value and research behind what the baby's like salmon, right? Avocado, nuts, supplementing with a liquid oil. Let's say if if you're not able to eat as much, like currently I have a lot of acid reflux. I can't eat anything. There's no room in my stomach. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll just drink the liquid oil that, that, that I like okay. that's high quality just because I am like, I can't eat after a certain time. And so you would think that when you get more and more pregnant, you can throw down more food, but everybody's just so different. So yeah. it's not like really cookie cutter. Like everyone that comes to me, they're like, well, I like this and I don't like that. Or I can eat, I used to love salmon, but I don't like it anymore. So it's about like finding a balance of what you can get them to like feasibly eat right um it's nice to be like i I would like you to do all these things but it's not possible like we're human so i approach them very individually yeah no that's great um and by liquid oil do you mean like the liquid avocado oil olive oil coconut oil like what exactly no so there's 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 one oil that i really like it's called udo's oil and it has a lot of different oils mixed in it so it's a blend of oils like if you go to sprouts or whole foods or something like that they have they'll have high quality oils that have DHA and EPA okay. and, and ALA. And so not just like your avocado oil that you cook with or any, necessarily, but those high quality oils. So where would you find them? You would find them in the refrigerated section at these natural health food stores and just kind of nap. I help them navigate which ones, which one they can keep down. First of all, you know, cause that's, that's the reality is right. what can you take? And some of these are virtually tasteless. So that's what I've, I've been doing in my third trimester and that's what I recommend to a lot of women. A lot of my uh, clients are also vegetarian, you know, so salmon is not an option. Um, Just depends on their diet as well. I I work to find what they need to get in with, with what I have. Right. So that's kind of the key. So if you could tell us uh, again, in this pregnancy phase, how we could potentially supplement our diets, is there, are there things that we have to fill the gaps or their deficiencies that we should look into? So as a pharmacist and kind of bringing my light on the supplementation side, I certainly think that, you know, the number one question before anything that I get a lot is when should I start my prenatal? 
should I start it a month before I try? Like, let's kind of rewind to the beginning. Or should I try six months before? And I always say as earliest as you can, because you want to build that reserve. So why is a prenatal vitamin even a prenatal vitamin? Why, why is it even called that, right? It's called that because it's got folate in it, folic acid, which that the whole reason why we take that is to prevent neural tube defects, NTDs. Those prevent spina bifida and you know things of that nature. So the whole reason why a vitamin is prenatal is because it has that. And I say that if you build that reserve up in your body, the most ideal time is six months or even beyond that. By the time you have conceived, it's not too late. Obviously, things happen, right? Like you can always just take it. It's fine. I'm sure you supplement it. You Folic acid is also found in food. But if you know you're going to have a baby, then just get on the prenatal vitamin with the folic acid. Now, there's a lot of things to remember. Like by the time you're week 12, the foundation for all of your baby's organs have already been developed. It's done. Like I know in the tiny little rice grain that you see in the ultrasound, there's so much already written, right? And that's because of what you've had in terms of your reserve. Now that folic acid that's in the prenatal vitamin, because if you go to like CVS or anywhere you go, right, there's like a million different options. You can go on Amazon, but what makes one different versus the other? Well, the first thing you have to know is FDA does not regulate over over an over-the-counter product. A prenatal vitamin is considered a supplement, which is an over-the-counter product. So they can have pretty much anything in them, right? It just has to meet the label. Folic acid is, there's different variations. So my biggest thing is turn your prenatal vitamin around and make sure that it is the correct type of folic acid. So not many people know this, but it should be a methylated version of folate. But why do we care? It's because in your body, when you take folic acid, that is the synthetic version, right? It has to go through several pathways before it turns into the one your body can use, which is methylated folate. So why not just take the one that that already that you can already take that's methylated folate that you don't have to convert in your body? And you're probably asking, well, doesn't everybody just convert it the same? Mm-hmm. Not really. There's something called... Um, there's an enzyme that that converts it in there, right? So that's its job. Think of it as like this person and just churning it over. Well, that enzyme doesn't uh, doesn't exist in everybody equally. Some women don't even know that they're deficient in that and they have to get tested. And then their doctor tells them, hey, you're actually deficient in this enzyme. Your body's not converting it to the right kind. And that's important because you're taking it to prevent neural tube defects, right? For your baby, but you're not even converting it to the right form. So simply turning it around and looking at it and going, okay, this is a methylated version of folate gives you a sense of like, okay, a peace of mind, right? Right. So that's the first thing that I would say as a pharmacist is you're taking a prenatal, what kind of folate does it have in it? Great. Good to know. Now let's um, uh, jump ahead to postpartum, which is another area of expertise for you. So can you tell us um, what we should expect during recovery? Um, how our body is uh, recuperating? Here's the biggest thing I talk to about women in the postpartum period is that they have this baby and their life turns into kind of a whirlwind, right? You're focusing on your breastfeeding. Does the baby getting everything they need? Are you supplementing? You kind of forget about yourself. A lot of women do because that's just, it's, 
we're not, we're not superhuman. <laughs> and you're like, well, there's my prenatal. I think I should finish it. It's sitting on my counter. I don't really know. I don't have everything I need. And then you're worried about your milk supply, right? You're trying to do 700 things at once. But re- in reality, the mother is providing the baby the milk. And anything that you, the baby needs to make, if you are, let's say you are breastfeeding, for example, then the baby will take from you. And so things like still being on a prenatal vitamin, there's actually some vitamins that I do recommend that are po- that are aimed for postnatal recovery for the mom. And for example, I just had to like place my order the other day because I forgot to order mine, right? Because I needed it there. I would have I would have probably forgotten if I didn't have it. Things like um, calcium. Um, we don't we don't think about all of these deficiencies. There's there's like a, sh- and a whole I could talk about this for like hours in terms of. <laughs> postpartum health, but there's so many deficiencies like calcium a year down the a re- year down the road of let's say a mom that's breastfeeding, she could have osteopenia, osteoporosis, and she won't even know it. They often complain about bone pain. Like let's say they start running again, right? They finally have some time in their life to actually like spend on themselves. And they're like, I have this weird, weird pain. Then they go finally do some blood work. And they realized they're deficient in calcium. Why? Maybe because the baby needed calcium. The mom wasn't on a calcium supplement. The, mm. the baby took it from the mom, right? Right, that, right. It, it, so a lot of stuff like this could be mitigated if like, I talk about functional medicine a lot, just because let's say you, you like, I asked my clients, did you get a blood panel done? When did you get your blood panel done? Um, did you get your thyroid checked, your calcium? Did you get your hormone levels checked? Because what happens is a lot of women have adrenal fatigue. I've had clients come to me after four years and they had to go through an entire span of adrenal fatigue just because they didn't supplement their body. So there's a lot of deficiencies because you created a human. And then I just go through a list of like, well, are you on these things? Even omega, there's a huge study that says that if you're deficient in omega-3s, it's often related to anxiety and depression. Functional functional medicine physicians, what they do is they'll just take a blood panel, and I think that's a great investment just to kind of see where you're at after you've had the baby. Right. And if and and if you don't get out immediately, out, it's impossible to get out with a newborn. But I say like a few months after, and really looking at and evaluating the blood levels to see where you're at, and then supplementing where, where necessary. But the the prenatal vitamin stays for me the omega fats, um, cause your baby is also, if you're breastfeeding, getting the fatty acid from you mm-hmm. and probiotic is huge. You know, I could talk about this in a whole nother session, but I feel <laughs> like the GI tract is like the second brain and the baby actually, by the time it's two years old, it has an entire biome developed. It's like adult, it's like, it's like an adult, right? So your GI tract. So in, you know, there are probiotic supplements for the baby, but you should be taking a probiotic because you're actually transferring that to the baby if you are breastfeeding. If you're not, then you can obviously add that to your baby's milk. So a lot of it is just understanding that like you have had a crazy time making this baby mm-hmm. and every all of your hormones have gone from like your estrogen and progesterone have been very high for the entire time you've been pregnant and they plummet to pretty much zero within 48 hours of giving birth. So that huge shift in hormone levels gives you so many powerful repercussions like depression, mood, anxiety, and they stay low for a while, you know, right. and it doesn't just like build back up. So 
when women are like constantly looking for reasons why something is going wrong, it always comes back to, well, what are you taking? Are you building your nutrition postpartum? Are you depleted? Right, right. That makes so much sense. And that's something that unfortunately, um, you know, in our series of appointments, when you meet your OB for your post-op um, checkup, it's like I, this, all of this isn't covered. You know, no, it's, it, there's just no time there. Yeah. You see them at six weeks. They see if you're healed. You know, I love my providers. I love every, yeah. all of my healthcare professionals, but in the reality of their day in, they're not able to touch on these things just because right. it's not with the respect of time. So yeah, this is really invaluable advice that you're sharing. Um, so now on to the, um, the workout for mm-hmm. postpartum. What are some exercises that you know we can do to strengthen our core again and you know kind of get back to feeling the energized women we were we once were at least <laughs> I know and in the beginning you're like where do I even find this energy I'm about to be in that same boat where there's just no time to even shower there's right. just literally no time to shower exactly. so where do you even So that's why the whole app was created was because it's like the workouts initially are 10 to 15 minutes, four times a week, and they're very effective and they incorporate belly breathing, but also pelvic floor exercises that are not Kegels, right? So if you go on the app store, there's a bunch of apps out there and they'll say Kegel exercise, Kegel exercise. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But how many times can you do a Kegel to strengthen the same pelvic floor? And you're not, maybe you don't need to do a Kegel. So it's more about what you don't do. Uh, you shouldn't be doing sit-ups. You shouldn't be doing crunches. It actually makes things worse because you're in a very vulnerable state. And when I say vulnerable state, I'm talking about a hormone that I talk about all the time. It's called relaxin. It literally relaxes your joints and you have it all throughout pregnancy, which is kind of why you feel wobbly, you know, when you're you're pregnant and you have like, yeah, I don't know if you, if you ever felt this when you were pregnant, but you have a lot of joints that move a lot of, a lot easier than they did before. But that, that, that hormone sticks around for almost five months. And a lot of women are trying to rush into their bodies, their pre-pregnancy bodies and their genes. And they're like, let me just do a bunch of sit-ups right now. Well, actually you've had some abdominal separation and you may not know it. And you've started doing crunches, which is adding all this increased pressure and you could be making it worse. So the goal is more of like preserving your core and pelvic unit rather than doing things wrong to make it worse because you can absolutely make it worse in that very moldable time period. And then six months later, you're like, wait a minute, I, my lower back hurts. I'm peeing on myself. And I think I know about this term. Like I talk about diastasis recti. It's just a fancy word for abdominal separation, but women end up saying, I have this mommy pooch and beyond what it looks like. um, Aesthetically, aesthetically, we all care about it. Right. But it actually has a lot of implications on how you feel. So just slow core work and pelvic floor work that doesn't involve Kegels that we have, you know, in our app. And then also just not doing the wrong things. Yeah. Makes sense. And now on to the nutrition and supplementation in this postpartum phase. Immediately postpartum, you know, I talked about the hormonal shifts that go on in your body when your milk comes in, because your prolactin, that's the hormone that comes through, you know, homie comes through, it helps you make your milk, but that's also kind of what causes milk brain. So that people don't think about this, but a lot of doulas and midwives, 
lactation consultants, they call it milk brain. They women get emotional when their milk comes in sometimes. And so there's a lot of avoiding like acidic foods and gas producing foods. If you are, if you are breastfeeding, if you're not, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of value in incorporating EPA and DHA fatty foods. So salmon, just building your nutritional reserve back up and not in the form of pill, right? Because pills can only do so much. So having a plan in terms of what am I going to do postpartum? Who's going to be helping me cook? If I can't cook, do I have freezer meals, right? Because everyone's situation is different. You may not have your mom or your mother-in-law or your doula. A lot of people invest in somebody to come and have meals prepared. Um, If you are breastfeeding, avoiding some dairy products sometimes, you know, like if you have if you have issues, uh, if you think that your baby's colicky, you know, eliminating some food groups. So like, I don't know, people don't think about this, but even orange or an orange juice and strawberries that can cause the baby to develop a rash while nursing. So I think in the beginning, if you are breastfeeding, there's a lot more, there's a lot more challenges in terms of you figuring out like, wait, did I eat something to make this happen? And when you're a first time mom, I think you freak out about everything, uh-huh. but, you know, just making sure that you are eating to supply for breastfeeding, which is a whole nother conversation. And there is, you know, you talked about breastfeeding and how it's magic, like like people magically think it's going to make you lose weight. That is, that is a myth. And a lot of women end up gaining weight when they are postpartum. They come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I lost all the weight and then I gained it back. And I'm like, well, like, well, I thought I had to eat an extra 500 calories. I'm like, that's true. You know, scientifically, um, an ounce of milk, you know, burns a certain amount of calories, right? So that fifth, that 500 number that's thrown out there, it's because of what you produce in a day. Like let's, it's if you produce 20 to 25 ounces in a day, what ends up happening is I, I can attest to this. I was able to eat way more postpartum than I was in pregnancy because the baby's out or rocking. My stomach's not crunched up. I don't have heartburn and you're hungry, but the same, the same hormone that allows you to make milk, which is prolactin is also the same hormone that prevents that loss. You can lose weight, but there has to be an approach that's, that makes sense for you not to, to tap into your milk supply, but you're still slowly decreasing calories where you can that are, you know, and you're still supplementing correctly for your body. So whenever I have clients that are like, I watch nutritionally and I help them kind of adjust some plans if they are breastfeeding, that's one of the things that I really monitor is like what they're eating, how they're eating and when they're working out. It is possible. It is possible. But Mm -hmm. telling women that you're going to melt the weight off by breastfeeding is some of the worst advice I ever, I ever hear. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a total farce. Um, Can you tell us some stories about your clients that you've helped? Absolutely. So I think I talked a little bit about this earlier, a client that came to me, she had adrenal fatigue, you know, it just breaks my heart because she had adrenal fatigue for three years. And when you have something to that level, you can easily say, Oh, I had adrenal fatigue. What does that mean? That means that your thyroid hormones were really off balance. That means they, I mean, that would, that's just the beginning, right? So there, she had to struggle with that because she wasn't able to supplement correctly in the beginning. She admitted that there was no time for herself. She was constantly worried about the baby, which is all of us. 
and we don't, and, and she felt bad that she wasn't able to give, like she could have, she could have avoided all of that, right? Because if she would have just paid attention to what she was eating, invested a little bit of time and money into herself, which is, I know, easier said than done, but really knowledge is power. we, We can't do it all, but if we can do a little bit to help ourselves not get in that kind of slump, then we'll help. Like she, it took her three to four years to get out of adrenal fatigue after so many, so much testing and so much altering of the diet. And she didn't feel like herself. Her energy levels were low for years. You know, I'm not a functional medical medicine specialist, but I do have knowledge in terms of like how to approach these things if they have certain deficiencies. She had pre-existing like values. And so we were able to work with that and we incorporated some things to help her feel better because it all comes down to energy, right? Adrenal fatigue is, I've never had it, but from interacting with women and understanding how it really does debilitate them long-term, it just breaks me. So that's, that's something that I'm like, we should not let our women get into the this ocean this far, right? Okay. They should, we should help them at some point and make them realize, because you, you just assume that it's normal. This is just how you're supposed to feel. And when you start to realize, wait a minute, this is common. It's not normal. And that actually takes a lot of women some time to get to. It's easy for me to just sit here and spit it off. But for a mom that's sitting in a room that's breastfeeding, she's like crying and she's like, oh, this is just normal. This is just normal. This is how all women do it. And understanding that, no, it's not. Yeah. And asking for help. One thing I wanted to uh, share that happened in my experience was, you know, after I had my twins, um, I breastfed both for almost 11 months and then um, did the same thing with my third, um, who I had like a year later. <laughs> I literally went from pregnant and huge with the twins, delivery, postpartum phase, and then pregnant again when they were nine months and then like the whole cycle all over again. So it, there was really no break. Um, but one thing that I hate to hear is like when moms or, you know, older um, women and aunties say, um, you know, just keep breastfeeding, you'll lose the weight because I didn't. Like I I was one of those people that I breastfed, I pumped, I did everything. And, you know, I actually gained a little weight Um at one point. So, you know, can you talk about that kind of misconception and, you know, how so many women are different as far as breastfeeding is concerned? Absolutely. Because everybody still believes that. And everybody, the majority of the population assumes that if you breastfeed, because maybe one mom did lose weight because she breastfed. Right. And, but women will always tell you like your body doesn't really look the same or it, it never looks the same, but if not, it'll get, the whole point of snapback is getting better than before, but it really doesn't tighten up until prolactin is gone and prolactin is sitting in your body, right? And it is causing you to make milk, which is great, but it's also causing you to have a little extra, like not a lot of, a lot of women say, I couldn't lose that last five pounds until I stopped breastfeeding. Makes total sense. And this whole misconception of like, it's just because they, they see things on surface, the aunties, everybody that's out there, that's just seeing you from afar. There's some women that lose weight and they're just applying that concept to everybody. But a lot of women actually gain almost, I've had women come to me and they've gained 20 pounds back. They've lost it in the beginning due to stress a little bit. And then they've actually gained it back because their breastfeeding got more effect efficient and their body was making milk and they were hungry. And I was like blind blown when I was in the middle of the night eating cake 
in my fridge because I was starving and there's nothing else to eat. And I was like, why am I this hungry? Because our body requires calories. And so I think the minute we start tearing down this idea of like breastfeed, we should just breastfeed to get skinny. Then I think more women want this dialogue is just so necessary to open up eyes and be like, okay, you cannot have this false expectation because you're setting yourself up for some disappointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just, you don't know how your body's going to respond and no. just go with the flow. You'll find out. And I mean, even your pregnancies are different. So um, what happened in the first might not happen in the second. Correct. Correct. I actually, I gained 32 with my daughter and 32 pounds and I lost the 10 pounds when I had her, right? The amniotic fluid and all the stuff that goes out with them. Then I didn't lose a single pound for like 10 weeks (laughs) and I was working out. I was, you know, doing what I like all my techniques. I was eating well, um, just didn't lose any weight, you know? And so that's when it's like the, I had this expectation of like, man, it was my first goal around. Right. I've, I've had, I had read about it all I wanted, but but I was like, wait a minute, what is wrong? Like, and then I just quit getting on the scale. I mean, I I generally don't weigh myself because I believe in non-scale victories. And I think the scale is just it's really hard on women because our hormones dictate our water retention and so many different things. Mm. And I just, I just hate the damn scale. <laughs> so um, I was just like, I'm, I'm done. And so I think a lot of women, like I got discouraged myself the first time because yeah. I was like, I'm breastfeeding and I'm doing all the things right. And for 10 weeks I have lost not a single pound and, but my body was getting stronger. And that's why I had faith in what I was doing and applying my techniques. And I didn't have any pelvic floor issues even after having a second degree tear. Wow. Wow. Um, Another thing I want to talk about, hot topic, uh, is Kim Kardashian's new Skims weight trainer. I mean, she's been getting a lot of flack for it. And then also there's, you know, on the flip side, there's women that are so excited to use it. And I mean, I am just, I feel so worried for them because you know, kind of harming your like pelvic area like that and cinching it with this corset. Like it sounds so painful to me. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yes. So I have a lot of feelings on this. Actually, there is a place for a belly binder. Okay. When you leave the hospital and you get a C-section, you thought of them and get a belly binder. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in that during, to a certain extent, because you're able to mold your core in a certain way. Now, this, what I've been reading about the skims, because I am a little familiar with it, is that we have skin, organ, muscle, and tissue. They're all moving and shifting daily because our uterus is contracting. Our uterus is contracting while we're breastfeeding. So with every breath, our lungs and our ribs go in and out, right? And your diaphragm goes up and down, which is what I'm always talking about is belly breathing. So if you're binding something of any sort, you're impeding that process, which is critical to your long-term health. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with like the recommendation she's giving. I don't, I don't follow her, um, but I have in our, in our fitness space, this has become quite the topic. Yeah. So if, if your diaphragm is what I'm belly breathing is diaphragmatically breathing. It's unable to sync with your pelvic floor and you don't have control over your, you know, if your diaphragm is unable to sync with your pelvic floor, you don't have control of your nervous system. So a fight or flight from the science, the science brain in me, this, the, the fight or flight mode is activated and you're, you're left stressed, right? Because your body's already stressed from the newborn. 
but you're shallowly, you're, you're applying shallow breathing. How are you able to really diaphragmatically breathe if this thing is like literally on your pelvic organs? And I, I don't know what the re- her recommendation is to be on for how long, but just throwing a blanket statement of like, I give this to all my friends and who had babies. It's just kind of like, I feel like she is going to get a lot of flack for that, right? right. From a lot of pelvic floor specialists. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's, it's good to, you know, be fully aware because you can't just blindly what's, uh, follow what celebrities are endorsing. Correct. Because you're putting a blanket statement on, hey, this is going to work for everybody postpartum. And you're like, hold up. Does, do you know that person's pelvic floor stability? Do you know if they have diastasis recti? Um, you know, if you're two to six weeks postpartum, it can maybe be a tool to help severe gap and back pain. But that would be a, you would wear it for a very short amount of time. And this is definitely not the solution that, that we should give women because they might walk out of the situation more, uh, with more of a struggle than they did before. Yeah, absolutely. Can you leave us with, um, your top three tips for snapping back? Yes. So patience, that's my number one tip is patience. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from me you know, you heard my, like, I couldn't lose a single pound and I would thought I was doing everything right. It's a lot of patience and not comparing yourself because everybody is different in postpartum. And so what you see on the surface, if you see your girlfriend next door with her skinny jeans on or somebody posting on Instagram that they were able to finally fit into their pre-pregnancy jeans, you don't know what their pelvic floor looks like. You don't know if they're peeing on themselves. You don't know if they're having pain with sex. So don't compare yourself and be patient. Because there's a lot of quick, people are looking for quick fixes. It takes time. And so somebody once asked me, well, I think I have diastasis recti. What one exercise can I do? And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, I'm sorry, you had, your organs were reorganized for 10 months and you created a human. And now you want this to be fixed in one exercise. Not possible. (laughs) Have to be patient. And number two would be to really try to have a strategic plan in terms of how to recover. So recovery, when I talk about snapping back, I'm not just talking about what your abs look like. I talk about this a lot on our page. We talk about healthcare standards and pelvic floor standards in other countries and really, really working strategically to strengthen that. So in France, when people have a baby there, women are provided as a government plan free for rehab for their pelvic floor. So they get 10 to 20 exercises given to them before they're cleared for exercise. They get another reevaluation. And if they're not ready to just, you know, exercise regularly, they get more rehab. So having a rehab plan in place because America is missing that between zero and six weeks, we do nothing to activate our core or nothing to gently get us. Like you have to walk before you run. We're just running. So they're going into the physician's office, the physician. And this is not their fault. They're not experts, they're not pelvic floor therapists, but they're like, okay, you look like you're healed. It's time for you to, you know, you can go work out. And then we've got people running at Orange Theory Fitness at six and a half weeks postpartum when they haven't even activated their core. Right. And then five months later, they're like, wait a minute, things aren't feeling right. So having a rehab plan in place. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is just giving yourself body, giving your body the nutrition that it needs. So understanding that eating processed foods postpartum, like, yeah, it's easy, but having a plan to actually nourish your body the right way is, is going to help you long-term to develop more of your reserve back and help you get back into feeling better. It's, 
we're all, I think we all end up wanting to chase the look, but really if we just feel better, there's that, that gives you so much more fulfillment long-term. And that's what it, that, that's what working out always has done for me. And that's why I've maintained consistency. I'm actually not very motivated every day. Okay. I'm, I'm like working out three or four times a week right now. People always look at fitness professionals. They're like, how do you always stay motivated? I'm like, I don't stay motivated. <laughs> I have to actually psych myself out. The only reason why I'm motivated is because I know I feel better after it. And that's why we should always end up doing this is to feel better. That should be our main goal. And we Absolutely. need to feel better as moms. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I love to ask all my guests is their mom sense moment. And it's essentially a time when you just went with that North star, that built-in North star that we have, um, our mom sense. And you were like, I know exactly what my baby needs. When was that time for you? I think that would happen to me early on in my labor and de- like in my labor and delivery, actually. And it, it, it's funny, you can have mom sense moments even then, right? Because you're a mom the minute you become pregnant. Yeah. I had a, and I hope to God this does not happen this time around, but you know, who knows? I had a 60 hour unmedicated labor and my gut was just telling me, you know, the entire time I was there, I had a doula and I had my birth plan. You know, when you're in the hospital for that long in North America, they start to pressure you like, Hey, baby's in distress. Think we need to go to the OR and have a C-section there wasn't anything wrong. It was my body. I was going through it. I was doing it unmedicated. And I was, I knew that I had wanted to deliver this baby naturally and there was nothing wrong. The baby was fine. She was fine. I delivered her after 60 hours and there was just so many pressures of, Hey, you should get this. You should get the Pitocin. You should get the epidural. You should go into the OR and we should birth the baby this way. Cause within 60 hours, the hospitals, um, obviously the same doctors don't stay there for 60 hours. They have to go home. And so you get rather, different students, you get residents, you get different opinions. And I just stuck by my gut and I was like, no, I think everything is fine. And in America, you kind of have to uh, advocate for your care a lot more so than other countries. So that was my mom since moment. I, and when she came out and she was perfectly fine and everything went by the way I wanted. And sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes babies are in distress and you do have to get a C-section and that's fine. And that's what we have medical interventions for. But I certainly followed my gut in that moment and I already made it that far. And I was like, she's fine. And we were all fine. Baby was healthy. That's great. That's, that's incredible. Let's not forget our quote of the day. And um, is there a quote that you live by? No, yeah. I have not those. But <laughs> my, my main one, and I don't know who says it, but it's like, do what you can with what you have. And that's something that I just constantly use in, in every situation, whether I was in pharmacy school or an undergrad and working three jobs, or even when I started the startup, it's not easy. It was not, None of it has been easy. And I feel like that's my number one piece of advice is we all, we all wish we had more marketing dollars. We all wish we had more knowledge, more um, business partners, this, all those things. But if you just work with what you have, it's truly possible. So do what you can with what you have. That's a really, really great advice. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Is there mm-hmm. any that you are just loving that you're like, I share this with all my girlfriends. Um, this is the product that's like changed my life. Um, is there anything like that? Okay, so a lot of moms ask me about how I do my hair because they think that I have like really voluminous hair that looks like I spend a lot of time on it. And this is totally random. Like this is not even a skincare product or something, but... I 
actually bought like I do my I, I curl my hair with a roller, so I don't even straighten it. So I think my hair looks healthy because I don't put any heat on it. But mm-hmm. I did invest in like T3 micro rollers, not endorsed, not sponsored, just straight yeah. up telling you like <laughs> this is what I do because I don't have time to do my hair. I only wash it once a week. And then if I do have to see humans and that look decent, then I will put it in the rollers. And they're only eight rollers and I have a lot of hair. <laughs> so all eight rollers actually hold all my hair up and they, I don't have to straighten my hair. I don't have to put a curling iron to it. I put in them, I put them in there for five minutes. I take them down and it looks decent. That and- is awesome. Oh my goodness. I'm actually such a fan of rollers too. Um, because I feel like, you know, you have to have a certain dexterity when it comes to all the curling irons and wands out there. And it's really, I can't do the wand thing. I can't do the wand thing. <laughs> yeah. My hair's <laughs> way too long for that. So it's like, I just want to snap <laughs> again, snap. Snap in the roller, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I'm not going to just sit there and do the whole 10 seconds. And no, and they travel <laughs> really well. Like the T3 ones that you can buy from Ulta, they're super, mm-hmm. they're in like this packaging. Cause I used to have these cheap Conair ones and they worked fine, but it was a plastic one. So it'd break in the bag all the time. Like the, the lid would. Right. And so this is like fabric and so it just zips up. And then I, when I don't have time, I just throw all the clips, which is only eight clips and I throw them in there. I zip it up. And honestly, it's the biggest time saver. And we don't have time to do our hair. We have yes. too much other stuff going on. <laughs> yes. Uh, and dry shampoo. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Pinky, can you tell us where everyone can find you and um, download the Snapback app? Yes. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's FitPinkRx is my my handle that I have for like fitness and lifestyle. The Snapback has its own page and they can always go to the snapback.com that has my consultancy where I work with clients also has links to the app as well. The app is also on Apple store and Google play. So we're on both. We're on Android devices as well, which I'm glad that we're able to provide that. There seems to be a lot of Android users that, that, that don't get all the apps that they, they would like to get, but yep. the, the app was um, launched on the 9th of September. And mm-hmm. so you can always try it for seven days for free. We certainly don't want anybody stuck with something. And you can download it for free anytime. There's actually a lot of free features on it, even if you don't want to pay for it. So like baby tracking, love to talk about poop. I'm about to use it a lot to track that dirty diapers again. <laughs> right. So you can find us there. That is great. Thank you so much for being on the show, Pinky. You were so um, insightful. And it was just, it was so interesting to hear how you cleared up a lot of the myths and the misconceptions that are out there about pregnancy and postpartum and what our exercises and nutrition should entail. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. I can't thank Pinky enough for being on my show. She was ready to pop at that time. And I'm so, so excited for her baby number two joining her beautiful family. As an exclusive promotion for my listeners, she's offering 20% off any package featured on the Snapback app, which is redeemable online and translates to the app. Apply the promo code MOMSENSE20 on her website, app.thesnapback.com. And there are further instructions available on my website, that's totalmomsense.com. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and leaving me reviews and emails. I love getting feedback from all of you. Follow me on Instagram at KanikaXOXO and write to me at That's Total Mom Sense 
at gmail.com. And remember, always trust your mom's sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.